Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaflodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about weight loss, body image, and intimacy. But before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving out any type of medical advice. So if you're having any healthcare issues, please speak with your friendly neighborhood healthcare provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I'm so happy to have on today with me, Dr. Nikita Shaw. And Dr. Shaw is here with us from Florida. So I'm going to let Dr. Shaw introduce herself. Hi, I'm Dr. Nikita Shaw. I'm an obesity medicine physician in Orlando, Florida, and I'm the founder of Weight Sense Lake Nona, where I practice evidence-based obesity medicine. That is awesome. So, so you, um, what exactly does your practice do, Nikita, Dr. Shah? Yeah. So there is a lot of misinformation about weight loss and evidence-based weight loss practices. And really the people that come to find me, they're after improving their health and well-being. And that's not always equivalent to a specific number or normalized B or a BMI that someone may think is normal. Our health comes from a variety of um, aspects of our life and a healthy lifestyle. So when people come to see me, we're using, we're, we're going to be talking about using medicines in a safe and effective way to help reduce some of the body weight so that people's overall well-being will improve. Awesome. Awesome. So I know that um, you and I had spoken a little bit before, and um, I'd love to get into it with you, yeah. actually, if we could. So Today, uh, I wanted to focus on, you know, basically self-image, body image, and how that affects relationships and um, how, you know, a lot of times people want to lose weight because they feel that if they lose weight, then they'll be more attractive to their spouse and uh, just kind of delve into that a little bit. So I'm going to let you go ahead and get started. Absolutely. So when, when a person is coming to me to see me, there may be times where they are experiencing body dissatisfaction. So they'll come to me saying they want to lose weight, but it may be that they feel like they need to lose weight. So they 
feel like they have a better relationship or better uh, intimacy or enhanced intimacy in the bedroom. And really when I'm speaking to them, I quickly recognize that the weight loss is not going to result in in enhanced intimacy. Um, It's actually thought work that has to be done to help improve this body dissatisfaction. Because even if we lose weight and we get down uh, 5% off the if we lose five to 10% of body weight or five to 15% of the body weight, our thoughts about ourselves still need to be addressed. And that's why I really wanted to connect with you and speak with you about this, because this is a big topic that I think sometimes is not addressed in the doctor's office. I agree a hundred percent. I think that a lot of it stems from, you know, physicians having a lot of discomfort around talking about sex and get eliciting even a sexual history from patients. And I think that it comes from us not really being informed, right? Not being taught as medical students and then really not knowing how to get a history from a patient. And then what if we ask them a question and we don't know the answer? Right. So I think that a lot of physicians won't even broach the topic because they don't know the answer. And as physicians, we're always seen as knowing all the answers to all the questions. So when we don't know, then we don't really know what to do about it. And I think that that's a lot of the hesitation. Exactly. Um, But I think it's something that we have to address and point people towards the right information, because like sexual health is health. And the way we view ourselves is very important. And sometimes we're after after a goal thinking that when we get there, everything will be perfect and improved, but that's really not the case at all. Right, right. I agree with you 100%. You know, um, I think that, you know, our weight, there's so much emphasis placed on it through society, through the media, through what we see on social media. And I think that, you know, and they, right, multiple studies have been done that have shown that, uh, especially with uh, girls and and adolescents, right? Their body image and how they feel about themselves is really impacted by social media and how it really is to their detriment. And we have a lot of problems with eating disorders and the like. And I think that that all stems from the images that are being constantly fed to us through media and what we see and, and the image that we have in our head of what we're supposed to look like. I I completely agree. So one thing that I like to share is when we're talking about the media and if we're, if we are comparing ourselves to someone we're seeing in the media or in social media, um, celebrities and so forth, I think it's important to recognize that we are, we are not celebrities, most of us. So a celebrity's life, livelihood actually depends on their appearance at times. And so they might be exuding an enormous amount of effort, um, to improve upon their physical appearance. And that is beyond what we see in a day-to-day or what what we in the normal world (laughs) may experience. And it's unrealistic at times to expect somebody to eat a very low amount of calories in a diet and to expend a lot of physical um, energy, like uh, exercising several hours a day. That is not realistic. And then that's not to take into account the personal stylists, the personal chefs, the uh, the airbrushing and the makeup and the hair extensions and everything else that really gives somebody's image online um, of what they look like. So I think it's just really unfair to compare ourselves to somebody in the media and think that that is the standard of what we need to achieve because that's not realistic. Yeah, no, that's a very good point is that, right, the people that we see, typically that's their job to look good, Mm -hmm. 
Right. And so they, like you said, they spend a lot of money and time and energy and effort put into just that. Whereas for most people, that's not their main job to look good. I mean, it's nice if you look good, but it's really not your main job. I want to delve a little bit into what you talked about, which was the thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, with coaching, both you and I know that that has a lot to do with how a person then feels about themselves and then how they act. And I'd like to go into that uh, regarding obesity and how we see ourselves and body image. Absolutely. So one of the main reasons a person wants to come with me is for improved health. It is not to become like, a, it's not to reduce and get down to a certain weight. The idea that we can manipulate our body down to any weight is a little absurd. Um, however, if we're trying to really go at it with improved health and we incorporate losing weight in a healthy way that can just improve somebody's lifestyle, I think that is key. So yeah. when there, there's a little bit of polarity in the thoughts that people have, so it might be, I want to lose 15 pounds and then I will start to feel better in the bedroom. I want to lose 15 pounds and then I will have energy to exercise. I want to lose 15 pounds so my spouse will feel um, will be attracted to me. And truthfully, intimacy and attraction, if we're not feeling, you pointed out very nicely last time we spoke, like if we're not feeling connected in the bedroom, it's because we're not connected outside of the bedroom. And yeah. all of these things are related. It's not like one person just has an issue there and another person has an issue, or then they have another issue here. All of it is, um, is linked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I know that you do a lot of coaching with um, patients that are trying to lose weight. So what are some of the methodologies that you've noticed that have worked or are some insights that you've noted in patients that are trying to lose weight? You know, what, what, are, the, what are the thoughts that you typically work with um, starting out for a patient? Uh, all or nothing thinking. So yeah, there's always, there's usually a time and place where people remember they lost weight over like really rapidly over a course of four to six months or four to six weeks, or maybe two months when everything was just perfect. And they felt like they were doing all the things like exercising, eating right. And they, they proved to themselves that they were able to lose the weight. However, uh, once that window ended, people regained weight. And then the, what I like to tell people is that we don't have to go all in. It's actually better to be committed to this overall goal of improving our, our, our well-being and using medications, using nutritional guidance, using behavioral tools, using physical activity, and implementing things consistently in a way that's very doable. So mm -hmm. from my side of things is I'm not really interested in uh, telling somebody, go ahead and start exercising five hours a week and making sure your plate is exactly perfect. Most of us know exactly what to do. It's actually the how in that gap between um, knowing what to do and actually doing it is how to do it. And mm. I think that's where the magic is, is like, let's start building that muscle and building up the systems we need in our lives so that we can do the how. And, and so really that's, that's the key um, for me and my work. So medically, I do the medical evaluation and make sure that if there is a medical problem going on that might be causing some extra weight on the body or a metabolic condition that that is appropriately addressed. And then a lot of these other issues um, also need to be worked on as well. 
Sure, sure. So what metabolic issues do you typically see for somebody that is overweight? Are you thinking like, um, you see like a lot of thyroid, diabetes? Yeah, so those would be high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, diabetes, I, I would say actually just dysglycemia. So we're on the Muslim women's sex podcast, right? And in Southeast Asians, we may not have, um, we may not yet have a diagnosis of diabetes, but we may be well on our way. So di diabetes is diagnosed with a hemoglobin A1C of greater than 6.5, which is the blood glucose average over the course of three months or a fasting blood sugar greater than 120. Um, mm -hmm. However, the problems are still there. It's not like the things just started at like this number. It's just this marker that we start at. So if someone is noticing that they're feeling unwell, they're lethargic, they eat certain meals and then have a crash and how they're feeling a little bit later, perhaps we need to look at that. And then they're noticing extra weight. So then that's really where I clinically look to see, is there a reason where um, somebody is gaining weight and is their blood sugar starting to be off throughout the day? And is that a sign of insulin resistance? And then I work to see how can we work on that? Um, in a comprehensive way. Yeah, I know. That's great. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I think that, you know, a lot of these conditions, um, they start and they've been longstanding, right? And that's what this hemoglobin A1C tells us is that something that's been going on prolonged insulin resistance and prolonged elevated glucose for at least three months. And, and then now is when we're actually seeing it because we're testing for it. If we weren't testing for it, we wouldn't even know that it was going on. And I think that, um, you know, I agree with you. I think it's a lot of times it's the thoughts, but it's also the medical conditions behind it. And so what, what are the types of actions that you tell people to take? Or, you know, do you have them first work on their mindset and then do like actionable steps? Actually, you know, how do you start? Yeah, no, everybody's individual. Everybody is an individual and it really depends on the person. So sometimes people come to me and they've, they've done a lot of personal development a lot of work on improving themselves and they kind of know the things that work for them. And then we use medicine to help them along the rest of the way, kind of like that light switch. Like if you're working really, really hard and we're just fighting against biology, then we can use an anti-obesity medication to help support what needs to be supported in the body. The other aspect is if someone's coming in and they know they need help, but have never really been guided in the right way. So we talked about media really big in the media is weight loss and fad diets and this yo-yo diet culture. Like we lose it before summer and then we gain it back in the fall. And that's not really healthy. You don't want to lose weight and regain it, lose weight and regain it. You want to find a way to maintain weight loss. Um, there is always a risk for weight reoccurrence. And we know that within obesity medicine, but managing kind of those dips and, and gains again. So as I'm working with people, um, I'll look to them as individuals and then decide where do we need to start. Some people don't actually want medicine at all. They want more consistency, more accountability, more behavioral therapies. But being a physician, they also come to me knowing that there are medicines available on the market and they would like to try and incorporate this. But I'm going to put a big asterisk here. When we start talking about medications for obesity, obesity is a medical condition. It is a chronic um, medical condition, meaning that we do need chronic medicine use to treat it. So it's not, let's use a medicine until we lose X amount of weight. Likely if we're trying to improve health and a medication helps us, helps our biology do so, then we would keep pharmacology on for the long term. The same way you would, if you're using medicine to treat diabetes, 
you would keep it on for the long term. If you're using medicine to treat hypertension, you would keep it on for the long term and so forth. But that that's really, um, I guess that's the, the framework. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point that you bring up, right? That there's no quick and easy and fast way to lose weight. And I think that also understanding that obesity is a chronic condition, right? We look at it, we tend to look at it a little bit differently than say like diabetes or high blood pressure, right? Those things we automatically know and realize that they're chronic conditions. So we're more okay with taking meds for a long term. But for obesity, you know, I think that once people you know, get to the weight or whatever that they're trying to lose, then they think like, okay, now I can come off of this and, um, you know, I'll be fine. But it's interesting what you're saying is that no, actually, you need to be on it for a longer period of time. Absolutely. And that's not to say that there, there could be a time and a place where if things are improved, that could we trial off like, I, nobody has to take anything forever. But I think that it should be done. Um, with like the person in their healthcare professional and it should be closely monitored because chances are the weight will come back and then and then some so i always tell people if we're looking for a medication to treat this medical condition we need to make sure it's available accessible and tolerable because sometimes something may have side effects that you really don't want and then you're not going to stick to it so it has to be a fit into someone's life just like the way we approach lifestyle it needs to be a fit into the person's life. If we take diet, there is a lot of heterogeneity in how someone's diet or like which diet responds in weight loss. And truly the diet that um, works best for people is the one that they can stick to. So it it doesn't make sense if like your neighbor is doing um, a paleo diet and then you're vegetarian, like that's great that they lost a lot of weight doing the paleo diet, but if you're vegetarian, that's not gonna fly. (laughs) What are you gonna eat? So I think that the individual preferences, um, cultural preferences as well, I these things matter of how we relay information. So yeah, I have no quick answers. It's it's a lot of personal care. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's so true. So you know, back to um, wondering about how weight loss affects intimacy. Now, have you noticed that once patients start feeling good about themselves, have they ever mentioned that their intimacy or their relationship is now better with their partner or how does that come into play? Okay. So generally when we are feeling better in our life and something is working well, then we start to notice like better connections with our significant others. And then we start noticing like things kind of just improving. So usually with better energy and less fatigue and even just having some wins underneath the belt, like things going right. I think that that does relate to um, just better satisfaction overall. I will say that that's not for everyone though. If there's deeper levels of body dissatisfaction, then it's not the weight loss that's going to cure it. We just have to change our thoughts and change those patterns. Absolutely. I think that, you know, so many people will go and lose that weight, but then they'll feel like they're still really fat, right? And you have that body dysmorphic syndrome, where they're, you know, clinically, they look like they're fine on the outside, but inside, they're still feeling like they're really fat, that they're unattractive. And so I think it all goes back to what you were saying, in that we have to really work on our thoughts, 
and really see how that is impacting the way that we feel and then the actions that it's leading up to. Because if we don't fix our thoughts, then nothing, no matter how great we look to other people, if we don't feel like we look great, then we're not going to, you know, have that, um, I don't know, that um, results that we're looking for, right? Yeah. And I think also body image is is so huge. And just like what you were saying, right? Like if we feel good and if we feel good about ourselves, then we will desire for that companionship and we'll want, you know, that companionship and that relationship with our partner. But if we don't feel good ourselves, then we're probably not going to be reaching out to others. Yeah. And a part of that feeling good, I think that can be related to just taking care of ourselves. Like when we start putting ourselves first and feeding ourselves the food that we need, putting up some boundaries. Like, I think we we talked about this, like who, like those boundaries can mean like the expectations of the expectations we have of what we need to do in some, and then for women, that's like, we need to go work and we need to look a certain way. And then we need to you know, do all the dishes and have the house clean and all this other stuff. Well, if those are our expectations for ourselves, then we have no boundaries on what's reasonable. And then we're going into the bedroom thinking about all this stuff. Well, if you're thinking about dishes in the sink not being done, and that's weighing on you, then you're probably not going to be, you're probably not going to want to be intimate in the moment. However, if we work on the way we think of things like, hey, I am perfectly fine. I am a great mom or a great wife, or a great significant other, or a great person, even if I have some cereal bowls in the sink that haven't been washed. And um, in terms of boundaries, like maybe we don't really need to be there for everyone and do everything that everyone asks. Like perhaps we need to outsource, delegate, or just decline things that are asked of us so that we can keep our commitments to ourselves. And those commitments can be like, I am someone who makes my breakfast, makes my lunch. I am someone who takes the time to exercise. And that's not being selfish. That's putting ourselves number one so that we can show up in the world the way we want to. And when we do those things, then we start to reclaim some of that energy that we gave away. And I think when we have that energy that does correlate to just um, more desire and thriving all the way across life, and then we can feel like we want to be intimate again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, you know, and I think we, we talked about that um, on your podcast, but exactly, exactly what you're saying that, you know, when we put ourselves first, and we realize that we do need to have some boundaries, and that if we are able to become more mindful, um, when we are in the bedroom, when we are being intimate with our partners and we've, you know, are putting away the other thoughts that, about the dishes, the laundry, the kids, the, the homework, all that other stuff, or if we're able to compartmentalize that and put that away for the outside of the bedroom and then in the bedroom where we're able to be more mindful with our partners and realize that, you know, that right now I'm going to be focusing my attention on this person, then automatically the arousal, the desire starts to come in. And we know that uh, from the female sexual response cycle, that for women, a lot of times that arousal will happen even before the desire happens. And so when we're able to become more mindful, then all of those things come into play. And then we are able to be physically intimate and emotionally connect with our partners. So that's really important. Um, you know, so I'm really curious as to how 
people, if clients or patients or people are listening to this, you know, and they're wondering how can we work with Dr. Shaw? We love her. We think that, you know, working with her is really what I need. And especially I think what's great is that you incorporate the coaching with the medical part of it, right? I think a lot of times when you see people on social media, um, advertising their services for weight loss, a lot of times they don't have that medical background where they can assess the whole person and know the full body. And I think what's great is that, you know, you being a family physician, you're able to see that and diagnose it and perhaps something that, you know, patients didn't even know they had, and then also work with them as a coach. So I think that's, that's fantastic. And it's really like two tiered approach. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, it's, it, it's very helpful um, to have those skills to really guide people along the way and in a way that makes sense for them. So that's why I named my practice Weight Sense because we need the cognitive behavioral um, piece of it and the medicine and all the other tools of how to manage your life together. So that's really how the life coaching, the medicine, the knowledge, all of it comes together. So I'm in Orlando and my practice is Weight Sense. So if you want to find me, you can go to weight-sense.com. I'm on Instagram at Nikita Shaw D.O. And I work with patients in Florida. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, and I know that like with coaching, coaching is great because you can actually do it internationally and you don't have those state limitations that we do with like say telehealth, where you have to have a license in the state that your patient is in. So if anyone is listening and you know would like to be coached by Dr. Shaw, you can definitely reach out to her because I'm sure that you'd be able to do that internationally as well. Dr. Shaw, do you have any parting thoughts or anything um, that you'd like to say to our uh, viewership that may be interested in losing weight but doesn't know and uh, is not sure where to begin and what to even do? If you're someone who has been trying to lose weight and has not been successful, so it's been a start and stop, start and stop, and just a struggle and it's something that you want to overcome and you just know that if you could get the weight off, like you'd just be on to better and brighter things in your life. I definitely think working with an obesity medicine doctor is key, um, a part of your team. So if you're in Florida, that would be me. If you are not in Florida, I would definitely look up to find an, a board certified obesity medicine doctor in your area. Um, the American, um, sorry, the Obesity Medicine Association has a directory on their website that people can also go to. And the Obesity Action Coalition also has a directory that people can go on to and find. Um, but there's many different ways where you can get, there's only 6,000 of us. So in the US, which is like, I, I forgot the percentage, but like less than 1% of practicing physicians. So if you find one in your area, um, it can be very important and useful in your journey, just from the medical side of things. That's awesome. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, being one of 6,000 physicians that are board certified to practice obesity medicine definitely limits the amount of physicians and practitioners that you have that are actually accredited to perform this and to work on patients um, that may be, you know, silently suffering. So I think that's fantastic that um, you are board certified and that people can go ahead and, and reach out to you. Um, I think also, you know, before we, we go, I think it's so important what you had mentioned about analyzing your thoughts, right? And that really you can find or you can be happy at any 
size or wherever you are in life, right? You don't have to wait to be happy once you have reached your optimal goal of whatever weight you want to be. That really happiness comes from within and that you can find it at any stage in life. And it's it's so important to love yourself now the way that you are. And I think that, um, you know, it's probably true in obesity medicine, but it's also very true with uh, the intimacy coaching that I do is that knowing that you can love yourself the way that you are now is so empowering and that you don't really have to wait for anything or anyone else. And that, you know, it's so important to find that love within yourself, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I've had people share with me that they never, they never even thought that it would be possible or they didn't know that they couldn't think a different way. So I think it's important to start recognizing your emotions. So this like feeling of shame and guilt and um, kind of brew inside of you and come up, those are stemming from our thoughts. And Sometimes these thoughts are coming from other areas of our life and they've just kind of, these seeds have been planted that this is the way it needs to be. It could have been from childhood of like looking a certain way or dressing a certain way and that's the right way. Um, I think when we can make peace with those thoughts and then come up with new thoughts that like, for instance, I'm a mother of two children. This is, this is the way I look now. I am not 20 years old anymore. <laughs> and... I am taking care of myself and that those are my thoughts. Like this is where I am at this phase of my life. And of course my body's going to change. Of course I'm going to look different. Of course I am not 16 years old anymore. And this is okay. And I'm not a celebrity and I'm I'm just me. I'm a human being and things aren't going to look perfect or whatever perfect is, but I can still love myself. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those are great words and thoughts to live by. And I think that's a great way to end this podcast that you can love yourself now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you don't have to wait for anything else or anyone. So fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shaw, for being on here. And um, I really, really appreciate your thoughts and what you're doing for uh, women and for men and for anyone looking um, to just feel better about themselves. And I think that's so important. So thank you so much. And well, I am done here and it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're looking for medical advice, please speak with your healthcare provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening.